What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Old English D, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Casey, as always, joined by Josh. How are you doing this week, buddy? You know, I am doing a lot better today than I was doing yesterday when it comes to Detroit Tigers baseball. Oh, yeah. Why is that? Well, we've won a game since then, so that definitely will buoy the buoy the uh, the, the mood over here. We are coming off the first game of the Milwaukee Brewers series, and we somehow came away with a win. Don't ask me how. <laughs> Don't ask me how they survived that. Couple blunders, but a win is a win. Another digit in the win column. You said it. You said it best. Last year we were seven and fourteen. Mm-hmm. This year, same time, eight and thirteen. Progress. Progress. We'll take what we can get at this point. This this year, dude, we have that to talk about. What do you what? Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Just a small insert. I was thinking about just a second ago. This year is such a case study for, you know, maybe what this team could have been last year. Because we've basically given do-overs to half the players that were on the team last year. Not a whole lot to speak of yet on the whole do-overs side, but some of the new faces have looked better, and I think that's probably where our one extra win has come from. Yeah, I mean, I think I, you know you point to a lot of different things, and, and a lot of those things we're going to talk about today on the pod, but you know, this team is infuriating. <laughs> and and it's 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 taking years off of our lives, and we're going to go into why that is the case. But before we get there, before we talk about the last week of games, before we talk about tonight's game, which we're very excited about, you have something to say to the listeners, Josh. Yeah, guys. To anybody that's listening out there, we really, really appreciate that you put this time aside during your week to give us a listen, to give us 45 minutes to an hour of your time. We would really appreciate it if you left us some kind of review or a rating or, you know, out of five, whatever you think that we deserve. We would really appreciate that. It'll give us a good idea of where we're at, how we're doing. If you want to leave us a review, tell us some specifics of what you think we're doing right, what you think we could be doing better at. We would greatly appreciate that. We, you can do that on any of the podcast platforms that are out there. We see all of them, and we would greatly appreciate it. We'd love to hear from you. Even if it's a one out of five. I'm just here for some feedback. I just want to hear what you think. But. Well, I mean, hey, you know, constructive criticism is always healthy. And, you know, honestly, we, we've done a lot on the back end for the social media stuff. We put a lot of, of care and, and effort into that. And hopefully it all carries over to the podcast and hopefully that means that there aren't any one out of fives but if you feel like we deserve it any feedback is fair now josh i have a little bit of a bone to pick with you what's up we were going over some numbers on the viewership of said content (laughs) that we've been producing for social media and by that chuckle i think you know this is going um you are leaps and bounds ahead of where i'm at in the in the videos that you star in now i think you're a sellout (laughs) i think you're a little bit of a sellout and 
specifically because you're not the one starring in the most popular videos, are you, Josh? Unfortunately, I can only claim to be a co-star in the most viewed mm-hmm. videos that we have. Mm-hmm. I will have to now, give that credit to my my baby daughter, Sailor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, how do you feel that you are just straight up using your three or four month old to get views? How does that make you feel? I mean, let's be honest here. A lot of the people that are viewing our videos are relatives of either you or me. So... It gives well, my parents comment every once in a while that they like seeing their granddaughter. So I can't, I can't say that it's a complete sellout when it comes to that. I don't like that answer. I don't <laughs> like that answer. You don't have that many family members. I don't have that many family members. We're getting some good viewership on those videos, and we very much appreciate it. All I'm saying is I, I just feel a, little, feel a little shafted. That's all I'm saying. We'll cut Sailor Not in the if people. that makes you feel better. I was going to say, yeah, can we get some, can we get the editing team on it? Can we cut Sailor into my videos? I don't even have a dog that I could put into the video. I thought about that. I'm like, well, you know, what kind of, what kind of thing could I add to my videos to, to spice it up? But no, I have literally nothing. I don't have a pet. I don't have a four month old. I'm just at a loss. It's just me. It's just me. And I hope that's good enough for someone. I digress. Josh, it feels like an eternity ago, but the Tigers played the Guardians at one point the last week and we had a double header swept that double header we had a five game winning streak believe it or not carried into that last game of the guardian series and we played a competitive game in the last game of the guardian series as well that feels like a lifetime ago but josh what do you see out of that guardian series we had a good day we had a good day against the Guardians. That's that's what I'd say. I we benefited quite a bit of being the last team to hit. I think that's that's maybe a more cynical take on it. But, you know, to win you gotta score more runs than the other team, putting it simply, and the Tigers were able to do that. Now, whether that's more of a credit to the pitching or to the hitting, I think we can confidently say that that's probably more of a credit to the pitching. They they had some some pretty stellar performances. I know Erod had his first of two amazing starts this week. And then, yeah, just credit to probably one of my favorite at-bats of the year uh, from Kerry Carpenter against... Uh, he's getting pretty close to public enemy number one for us on this podcast, uh, James Karinczak of the, of the Guardians. And... Took uh, took the ninth pitch yard to win the game. I believe that was in the uh, in the first game of the of the double yeah first game bottom yeah. of the ninth yeah, first yeah, game yeah. bottom of the ninth. And you're one million percent right about the enemy number one. And it's not because he's on the Guardians. No, 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 no. It's because of his pants. It's because <laughs> of the pants that he wears. He wears the tightest pants you can get. I I'm convinced that he calls Nike and he's like, "How tight can you make them?" And they say some number, right? They say some something that, that relates to how tight they can make them. He's like, all right, make them tighter. That's what I want. We know tight pants pitchers. I'm looking at you, Justin Verlander. I'm looking at you. This is on another level, okay? And then on top of that, he had the long hair. He was doing something with the long hair last year. I'm, I'm just, you know, 
and now he's not good. Now he's not having the greatest year this year. Interesting that and MLB said they were going to crack it. down on the sticky stuff, and all of a sudden he lost his long hair. Coincidence? Mm. I think not. But yes, you're right. Epic at bat. Epic at bat. Kerry Carpenter got the best of him. Electric. I was watching it not at work. I was not at work watching it. I was definitely at work watching it. And I, I was, it was a stat. I was ecstatic. Like, it was just everything we wanted. And then you mentioned it, right? Erod. He says, and now it's his third best start because he has, has since had a better start in the Baltimore series. But at the time, it was his second best start against the Guardians. Eight innings pitched, four hits, no walks, 10 strikeouts. Dude was absolutely electric. Shoved. Absolutely shoved for the Tigers. 1-0 win. That says all that needs to be said. What happened in the Orioles series, though, buddy? Uh, we forgot how uh, the whole run scoring thing works. Which I don't know if that's going to be the last time we say that this year. But, yeah, I mean... We went from from the very high high of sweeping the doubleheader to getting swept out of the Baltimore series. Um, Baltimore this year looks like a team that's just going to be frustrating for a lot of different teams. Um, they seem to be they have something where they where they grind it out and you know kind of take advantage of little mistakes that teams make, which you know the Tigers tend to do quite often. Uh, but they scored. The Tigers scored three runs in three games against the Orioles. Which I don't know if you know this, but uh, throwing three straight shutouts is not feasible for most, if not any, pitching staff. So, yep, um, just embarrassing offensive output in the city of Baltimore. And you said it right. The, the Orioles are not a bad baseball team. They're a great baseball team. They are high in that division. They start out the year amazingly. They're easily one of the best teams in the East. And they've made a lot of progress the last two years. We, if we were at home, I think we win at least one of those games. For sure. So that's one, that's one positive thing to take out of it. But you cannot be in a situation where you take a perfect game into the eighth inning and lose the game. I'm looking at you, Erod. Amazing start number two of the week. Dude's on some kind of stretch, like 17 innings pitch, scoreless baseball, 18 strikeouts in that time frame, like no walks, two hits. Dude's on fire right now. And you put him in a position where he feels like as soon as he gives up that hit, we lost the game. They didn't even score a run, and they got that hit, and it was immediately like, oh, there it is. That's the only chance we had. And again, credit to the Orioles. Credit to the Orioles. We're in Camden Yards. It's a different situation. We cannot feel like we're down 10 runs when it's 0-0. Zero to zero. It's, just, it, it, it's, it's imperative for this team to put together better at-bats in leverage counts and in leverage situations so that we don't have situations like the Baltimore series. 
This team is so inconsistent. It is mind-boggling. And to say that we had a perfect game, opportunity, real, we were on perfect game watch around the league. Jeff Passan put out a tweet about it. That's when you know it gets real. And, of course, Matt Shepard spoiled it in the sixth inning. He was like, oh, Erod's throwing a no-hitter. Okay, cool. Perfect game. Okay, cool. Important thing to do in baseball is score runs. And when you can't do it for a pitcher that's absolutely shoving for you, it's incredibly unfortunate. It's incredibly unfortunate. We'll get into some stats of that Baltimore series in just a bit. But let's stay a little bit positive. As we said in the opening, different team tonight. Different team tonight, Josh. What do we see in the opening of the Brewers series? Uh, a patient approach from our hitters. We had a, took a lot of walks off of, off of the Brewers tonight. I think that's, that's super important. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Uh, just six, six walks in the game from the Tigers. When we have good at-bats... I will drone on and on and on about this until I am blue in the face. If we have good at-bats, this team can do some things offensively. Now, what they do with those base runners and all of that, that's kind of the next step in developing it. But, you know, six and eight walks to strikeouts, that's perfectly fine for a young team like this. And then all it takes is one one big hit, and that's what they've been. That's what they were missing the whole Baltimore series. It was one person to step up and have a big hit, and that was uh, that was our guy Nick Maton tonight. He had Wolfie, a, Wolfie, absolutely mammoth three run homer that completely changed the feeling of the ball game for the Tigers because they did not score first. They did not score first. Boyd had an uh, it was a mistake pitch over the plate to Contreras and he hit a absolute moonshot to center field and at that point I think both of us were feeling like well that lasted a while that was a quick quick end to he looked the real good, good feeling mm-hmm. he, I mean he came out throwing darts he came out throwing strikes it was some of the best I've ever seen him in control of the strike zone uh, I think we talked about it last podcast we wanted to see him more in control of the strike zone he's had some trouble with the walk so far this year dude didn't miss a pitch and then exactly like what you said good baseball players good baseball teams are going to capitalize on them on the mistake pitches and yeah one bad pitch i don't think he should have thrown the fastball in that count i think he would tell you that he wanted it up he probably in my humble opinion should have thrown a change up down but nope left a fastball right over the heart of the plate dead center absolutely massive home run and you're exactly right it felt like wind out of our sails right and not to mention too we're on a four game losing streak at the beginning of this game right and then to go down one zero that's crushing that is absolutely crushing that's not what you want to see and to your point about the offense taking the next step i love what you said about the patient approach i think one Yes, this team is different when they are patient. I'm even willing to say they have they have had a good approach overall in their eight and thirteen campaign. But you said it best next, where they don't know what to do with that patient approach. It's just not paying off. 
and I think eventually, right, you're going to run into some, like Nick Maton did tonight. He ran into some. But I don't know if we can always count on that. And so I don't, I don't know where Berdar goes with this, new hitting coach you know, for this year. I think they're doing Scott Harris's approach. I really, really do. I think they're dominating the strike zone. I think they're trying their hardest when they're in it and they're actually trying to do that. I think they're succeeding. The problem then comes is, okay, oh my gosh, we have six people walked in a game. How do we get them across the plate? And I mean, you know, if either of us could answer that question, we'd be hired by the Detroit Tigers, right? (laughs) And so, you know, I don't necessarily think that we can do that. But the evolution will come exactly like what you said, when this team can capitalize on those opportunities. It's also important to mention, it was still a very messy game. I don't, like I said, I don't know how we came away with that win. Teams that make the mistakes that we made in that game should not come away with the win. Great defense. I will shout it out. McKinstry. Javi had a couple good plays. Maton had a couple good plays. Important to shout those things out. But the base running error and the base running blunder by Green in the third inning was immediately dejecting and immediately like, oh my gosh, are we going to have another Javi and Toronto situation where we have to bench one of our stars? Is Hinge going to have to bench Green? To play it out for people, for some context, right? Javi is getting absolutely slaughtered at the plate. Booze galore. And Javi loves it. We know Javi loves that. And, of course, Javi capitalizes, finds a pitch that he likes. Oppo liner to the outfield. We love it. At this point, Badu was on second base. Green was on first base. Mm-hmm. And Badu's fast. Badu's fast, but he had to hold up. And a lot of conjecture. I think it's pretty much, we can say with some confidence, Jones held him up at third base. Yeah, the stop sign was up. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Badu got a good read on the on the hit either from Javi. And Badu was held at third base. Whether that was the right call or not, maybe for up for some debate. But it could have been bases loaded one out. Most major league teams at least score a run there to tie the ball game. Instead, Green does not pick up that Badu is still at third, and Green just continues to run right into Badu, <laughs> and unfortunately gets obviously caught in a rundown, or in a rundown, and gets thrown out. And at that point, I'm like, "All right, cool, five game losing streak." What were your thoughts as soon as that happened? I might be in the minority on this take i don't think this specific instance first of all it's obviously not at quite as bad as the javi not knowing how many outs there are situation agreed 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 uh, this isn't easily not a benchable offense i also don't think that this is as big of a deal as as it looked at first i think green got a very good read of where that ball was going to land off the bat. And I think he assumed that that Badu did as well. And he was just trying to hustle to make it first to third and, and didn't pick up the stop sign quick enough. Um, I am of the opinion that Badu should have scored on that play and should not have been held up. You're down by one. You're having 
a lot of trouble scoring runs. You just got a hit from one of your guys that's starting to pick up some heat. Javi's starting starting to you know round into form a little bit. You want to take advantage of that. Badu's quick. He knows how to slide. And looking at it after the fact, uh, the ball went up the line. I don't think they would have gotten him at the plate. So all of that into taken into consideration, I think Badu should have been sent, and I think Riley would have been into third quite easily had Badu been sent. Either way, either way that this ended, whether Badu gets held or whether he gets sent, we end up with runners on first and third, at the very least with one out. And one of those options gives you the chance to score. And it's not holding Badu at third. So I don't really have that big of an issue with, with Green not picking up the stop sign, which is, I think, what happened. And I think I just chalk it up to kind of a baseball play. A little bit of a mental error. He probably should have been picking up the third base coach a little sooner. Uh, but he's being aggressive, and I don't have as big of an issue with that. I do wonder, too, because immediately the cameras cut to Hinch's reaction <laughs> to said blunder. And he, he was clearly disheveled. Like he was clearly frustrated with it. I wonder what he was frustrated about. Because I, I generally agree with you. I do think, you know, it's Akil Badu. We know he is either the fastest or the second fastest. Shout out to Matt Veerling. Sprint speed. Winning. Beating the Tigers. Beating Akil Badu. We know Akil Badu is fast. We know, and Riley Green knows, Generally speaking, Akil Badu is going to be trying to score on that play. I don't know what made Jones put up the stop sign there, but I do wonder if if Hinch was disheveled and, and frustrated because of that. Instead mm-hmm. of Green making the blunder, I do wonder if, if Jones putting up the stop sign, because we know how much Hinch loves to be aggressive on the base yeah, pass. Likes to push whether the it turns into an Yeah. Whether it turns into an out or not, he loves to play aggressor. And that was the exact situation where I think Akil scores. I think you're right. I mean, throw was up the line. Would have caught him at the right time. I think it would have been closer than most people think. But I think a good slide is what makes the difference there. And I trust Akil to do it. It was very weird that Jones held him up, especially in the situation we're in too, right? You said it, right? Down one run on a four-game losing streak. We need that run to feel good about ourselves. So... I think to your credit and I think to your point, I wonder if Hinch was not frustrated with Green in that moment, but frustrated with the third base coach, Jones, not sending him. But alas, it didn't matter because Wolfie comes up. Mind you, he already broke his 23 plate appearance streak of hitless baseball by a, (laughs) a little bunt to the third baseman. As cleanup hitter, squares around a bunt, gets a base hit, got that off, got that weight off of his shoulders, right? Then comes up in a big spot. Team needs him. I think it was a three-one pitch, so he was working a great count, working a great at bat. Just sends it. Just absolutely sends it. No doubter. Nick Maton. Every time we start thinking about, wow, you're not doing too hot, man. You're really you're struggling. He just he comes up big, and I wouldn't be surprised if he hits another home run tomorrow because that just seems to be how he works. And I also wouldn't be surprised if he's also batting cleanup again. Um, we'll see. But it, he is um, he's a special player. I hope and that I, bunt I really, doesn't really go really unnoticed. Like by the way, 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think you're exactly right. That bunt was savvy. That was good baseball. That was baseball IQ at its best, and it got him out of the slump that he was in. I mean, twenty three plate appearances without a hit. I mean that you're down. You're down at that point, and it was the exact thing that you know he needed to be picked up. It isn't, of course, without some qualms with the game. Obviously, we had the base running situation. The team was still only two for nine with runners in scoring position. You mentioned it best. We had six walks. We only won the game four to two. In typical tradition, the saying, a walk is a run, did not come true tonight. And that's a problem. That truly is a problem. We're not capitalizing on these situations. And it leads exactly into what I want to talk about as a whole with this offensive struggles. And I think we can specifically focus on the Baltimore series. In the Baltimore series, we went one for 14 with runners in scoring position. One for 14 with runners in scoring position. As a total, we left 21 runners on base. I think that leads to an overall, like what we talked about, lack of discipline and lack of approach in these leverage situations. We're getting them on base. We're doing the hard work. We're, we're capitalizing on dominating the strike zone. But when it comes to these high-pressure situations, we're just not capitalizing. We're just not getting the big hit. Do you think that will come with time, or do you think there has to be an adjustment at the plate? Here's the thing. Last year, I think it's safe to say that we were pretty dismal at every single part of hitting of of that side of things and i think you were telling me earlier that we really with this team we have to start looking at incremental gains and small victories because if that's the case then we'll start to see more of the bigger victories um one thing i'd like to point out is the tigers currently now this might sound bad to some people but if you've been following this team for the last well, basically 24 months, you'll understand what kind of a big deal this is. Tigers are 25th in the league in walks at 65, and we're only one behind Colorado for 24th. And we are currently uh, 12th in the league in strikeouts. Controlling the strike zone. For this team, from where we came from last year, we led. I believe we led the league in strikeouts. I believe we were at least top two or bottom two, I guess, in walks last year. That's a huge step in the right direction for a team that looked like it was not going to hit its way out of a wet paper bag to start the year this year and then all last year. That's a huge gain. And like I was saying before, it's going to take another step to continue that kind of progress. It's going to take guys getting hits with runners in scoring position it's going to take guys doing more with those walks i think we can be a lot better base stealing team i don't really understand why haas was stealing bases tonight i don't think that's his thing but you know that's besides the point i think badu missed a sign uh, i think it was, it was a hit, and, hit run. and run yeah that's a good point run. okay cancel that then but my point is 
we're a lot quicker of a team this year than we were last year. I think we have a lot more guys that can steal bases. We can take advantage of those walks. And then it's just going to take some guys figuring out how to be clutch, how to get that hit, how to beat RBI guys. I don't think we have – I think our biggest RBI guy on this team is probably – a toss-up between Miggy and Javi at this point. Agreed, agreed. And Miggy did not look good tonight. And to your point that you said a little bit earlier, he should probably not be in the lineup against righties. Just saying, just saying. I get it. He has to play at least one every series, but, man, he looked like a struggle. Javi, on the other hand, clutch. That is a clutch player. For sure. That, that That's where I would go with this. And I'm kind of known to be the positive guy here, but that's some – solid stats and some solid solid growth that you can look at and see and point to that I think is super important for Tigers fans. We were never going to be that, you know, wild card fringe team this year. We never were. We we didn't have any sort of delusions about that. I'm still holding out hope. We we have to take the improvements where we can see them and where we can find them right now because they're there. They're there to see. The pitching has been great. The hitting has been an improvement over last year. I think our record doesn't show what kind of a team that we can be so far. I think that's a little bit of an understatement of of where this team is at. So that's what I would say. I agree, and and I wish I disagreed, honestly. But I I really do agree because you hit on an exact point that I wanted to make was that this year we're creating those opportunities. We're not necessarily capitalizing or, you know, doing exactly what we need to do in those opportunities and when those opportunities arise. But last year we didn't even create those opportunities. We were not we were we were not even in most games. This year it at least feels like we're getting on base. We are running ourselves into outs, which means that people are on base and we're actually having competitive at bats. Unfortunate thing is, and for short short term, maybe people who don't necessarily look as deeply into this team as we do, it can be way more frustrating of a product to watch because, well, for one, when you have players from last year who have not been put in these situations, like you mentioned, have not had the opportunity to enhance clutch, had not had the opportunity to score from first to third from first to home you know when you haven't put them in this situation there's gonna be some growing pains and I think overall we're seeing a lot of that where I think if you ask AJ one our record like you said does not completely reflect the team that we've seen on field and two while there are definitely still some progresses to be made where we've come from and where we're going is very, very, very positive. And it's just going to take some, again, growing pains to get there because we're going to have situations where we just absolutely face palm and see Haas get thrown out or see Riley Green get thrown out or see Javi get thrown out. And there's going to be some frustrations. And I think in those times, we just have to realize that last year we weren't even in those situations. And two, it's going to lead to some better baseball down the line you mentioned it though the pitching is keeping us alive the pitching deserves to be called out one another amazing outing from the bullpen tonight shout out to them four innings pitched 
not only of scoreless baseball, but hitless baseball and walkless baseball. No strikeouts except for Lang's two strikeouts in the ninth, but we don't care. They were getting quick outs. They were getting early outs. This bullpen's better than advertised, dude, and especially when it's used correctly, and especially when people understand not necessarily their role. I get it. There's a lot of flexibility. Hinge loves his flexibility, but they have the opportunity to have a clean inning. That is key. I don't think anyone's the biggest leverage pitcher. I don't think anyone is in a situation where they are trusted with bases loaded and no outs. We're not there yet. But when they have a clean inning, when they have the opportunity to go out and shove, they do it. But the pitching as a whole has been a little bit of a misnomer. You look at some stats, and I thought I'd just kind of contextualize this with some conventional stats that most people talk about when they're talking about team pitching, and then some stats that maybe people don't look at at all. Because when you look at these stats that most people look at, kind of ugly. Not really looking like a pitching staff that's doing a lot. Team ERA is at 485, so almost five runs. Team ERA plus, again, MLB average right around 100, and they're below that. 90 as a team. But those stats don't tell the whole story. And there's a few stats that I want to specifically outline that tell a very, very different story and paint a very, very different picture. The team whip is a little elevated. You'd like to see this below one, but the team whip, which is hitters and walks per innings pitched, 1.25. So that means for every inning pitched, we're walking someone or someone's getting a hit. Not bad. Could be better. Could be worse. The team batting average against, though, 241. League average is 245. Hmm. That's a marked improvement. On base percentage against, 311. Again, usually most major league teams are going to have a non-base percentage well above 300. We're keeping them right in the low 300s. That's amazing. And then the team slugging average, or the team slugging against, I should say, below that 500 mark. So when they're hitting, they're not getting that many bases. 417. What do you think of these pitching stats? I think the on-base percentage number is probably the most telling because that encapsulates all of the opportunities that other teams are getting. And, you know, you mentioned the the whip. I don't – the. I think that number might be just skewed because we had a couple of really bad innings this year uh, Agreed. Of, Agreed. of walks and stuff. This team is ranked fourth in the majors at walks allowed, M- meaning there's – we've only – we've walked – Less than three teams, if that makes any Which sense. Which is huge. And they talk about, yeah, exactly. You know, you're dominating the strike zone. Yeah, exactly. And probably half of those walks come from Matt Boyd's first start. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that's exactly what you want to see. That's a team that is throwing strikes, allowing the hitters to get themselves out. It's hard to hit in baseball. 
We all agree it is really hard to hit and barrel up a baseball. Hadn't heard that one before. <laughs> and someone's finally preaching to them, Chris Fetter, just throw strikes. Just throw strikes, competitive, good strikes, and let them get themselves out. Our strikeout numbers are quite high, too. I think we have, like, a strikeouts in, like, the 160s or, like, 165 or something. 180 innings pitched. We'll take that. We'll take that. Overall, the pitching has kept us in a lot of games. I don't want it to get to the point, though, and this is kind of where we're at right now, where it feels like every mistake they make is bad news for the offense. We've got to free them up a little bit. We've got to allow the pitchers to go out and shove, but then also make mistakes. Teams are going to make mistakes. Pitching staffs are going to make mistakes. It can't be the situation where Matt Boyd gives up a solo home run and it feels like we're out of this game. Good on them for battling back, right? It disproves a lot of what we're talking about. That's good. It's what we want. But there's still that underlying feeling of, okay, how are we going to screw this one up? Or how is the pitcher going to give up one solo home run and be the end of it? Or in Erod's case, one solitary hit. That one did turn out to be a loss. That one did turn out to be a loss. <laughs> Josh, last week we talked about some hotter knots from the major league team. This week I thought we'd talk about some minor league specific players that are one raking and two not so much. So Josh, who you got? Who is your player that is currently hot down in the minors? I'm going to go with Newly crowned Eastern League Player of the Week, Colt Keith. He's having cheater. <laughs> he's having himself a wonderful start to the year. He's hitting three fifty six for his batting average, and he has an OPS of nine ninety four to start the year. Uh, I think that with a little bit of movement up in AAA, if if somebody somebody falls off the wagon, I think he is. Definitely very first in line to get a shot at AAA. He looked fantastic in spring training from when we get, got to see him then. And I, it, very exciting. I I hope people don't think that after Torque and Green came up and Kryler came up and Carpenter came up that we just have nothing left. There's some, there's We have more talent down there. They're, they're developing some guys and they're doing a pretty good job at it. So excited to see what uh, Colt Keith could do with the rest of his year. Yeah, Ryan Garko's doing some good work. Y- you ever wonder if they're ever going to do the thing where they uh, call up someone from AA to the majors? Well, if uh, if I know if I, if I think who you're picking is actually who you're picking for your hot player, I don't think Colt Keith's the one. That's fair. That's fair. I just think Colt Keith won. They will never do it, so let's just not get our hopes up. But Cole Keith has had a very much similar rocket ship trajectory that Kerry Carpenter had. So expect to see him, if not the end of this year, definitely shooting for a spot spring training next year. Very, very exciting. Cole Keith, keep doing what you're doing. Yes, as you alluded to, there's probably someone more in line, though, for the call-up. And I would not be surprised if by mid-May you see one Justin Henry Malloy. Dude is raking down in AAA. 391 average, three homers, 14 ribbies, 
OPS over 1,000. Dude could help us. Talk about clutch. That Those stats stay, say clutch. Now, of course, is it going to translate to a major league team? I don't know. I don't know. But if there's one thing that we can say, and we've been saying it for a couple days now with Zach McKinstry, Scott knows how to pick them. Scott knows how to evaluate talent, and Scott knows how to acquire some talent, and he sees some things that other GMs, other presidents of baseball operations do not see. And not to say we didn't give up quite a bit for Malloy, Jimenez, Joe Jimenez, great pitcher, right? Helping out the Braves as much as he can. But Henry Malloy is someone that can transform a lineup. And whether the power actually comes to fruition in the major leagues, I'm not necessarily one to to care. I want to see someone who's a contact first hitter, and I want to see someone who can really take a lot of load off of greed and torque. And I think Malloy is right there. The problem is, you know, there's some 40-man roster issues. Typically, injuries and these kind of things work themselves out of these kind of situations. So, again, mid-May, I would not be surprised if we see Malloy finally in a Tigers uniform after just being in the organization for six months. Super exciting stuff. Unfortunately, while the major league pitchers are doing amazing and have a lot of flowers to be sent their way, there's some minor league pitchers that are not doing so hot. Josh, who you got? I have uh, the flow, as we like to call him, uh, Wilmer Flores. Uh, he's had kind of a rough start in uh, in Erie this year. He pitched most of the year last year and kind of tore it up uh, this year. Uh, either the league has adapted to him, he lost something over the winter. I don't know, but he's he's throwing with a with a nine point four nine ERA and a one point nine five WHIP. You talked about WHIP, and typically guys like to have it as close to one or under one WHIP as you can. Uh, almost two is not a good number. It is is a rough number to to be working with. Hopefully, this is just a bump and just some adjustments need to be made. And you know, so far I'm excited about the staff that the Tigers have assembled to help these guys grow because I think that that could just definitely be a learning lesson for him and kind of a growing opportunity but kind of scary kind of scary yeah what you've seen so far definitely isn't uh definitely isn't encouraging what I would say is you know and what we know best is baseball is a game of adjustments clearly AAA has adjusted to Wilmer Flores and or I should say is he's in double a right Sorry, Double A has adjusted to uh, Wilmer Flores, and he seems to be the type of pitcher though that can adjust right back. And it just takes a couple, you know, good starts to alleviate some of the scary eyebrow or eyebrow raising situation that we're in right now. That ERA is going to stay inflated for a little bit, but again, when you've only thrown ten or some odd innings pitched, right, it's it's tough to get that number down quickly. What I will say is someone who's a little bit more concerning and maybe even got a little bit too early of a call-up, Reese Olsen. Reese Olsen in AAA. Again, small sample size, only 9.2 innings pitched, almost 10 innings pitched, 15.83 ERA. And you thought your guy's whip was bad? Uh, Reese Olsen's riding with a 2.59 whip, so almost three base runners in inning 
for our boy Ray Silson. That's not a recipe for success. Again, these are players who I think will adjust and make adjustments, but the pitching depth as a whole, while we have some top-level guys, I think Reese Olsen was actually going to be in the conversation to either make a spot start for the Tigers down the line or come up in the bullpen here pretty soon. Him struggling in AAA is a little disconcerting. Again, still believe in the pitcher that he can be, and again, it's only 10 innings, so hopefully these things turn around for these two guys, but a couple injuries away from these guys needing to step it up and, and seize him growth. Josh, take me around the league. Well, we've got some teams in the, in the MLB this year that have surprised some folks. You look at teams like the Diamondbacks. You look at teams like the, my, well, my team that I, I've been looking at, uh, the Rangers, who are currently leading the AL West. Got teams like that. Uh, the Rays, who have not stopped winning. Uh, Still haven't lost at home. Still haven't lost at home. Something's broken there. If this was MLB The Show, you'd think there was a glitch. That's That's what's going on over there. Uh, the Phillies are still under 500. Uh, the Dodgers are barely over 500. The Cardinals are just confusing as heck to watch. A lot of a lot of crazy stuff going on. Very atypical year in Major League Baseball, which we are okay with. It makes for much much more interesting viewing. But like I was saying, I I have liked watching the the Texas Rangers this year. They've looked super, super fun. It's super, super cool to watch a team just continue to build on an offense. You know, obviously two off-seasons ago, they signed two of the top shortstops and decided to play them. You look at the rest of their lineup, it's super, super uh, interesting to watch. Uh, Brother of uh, Jace Young, who is in the Tiger system, Josh Young, just hit two home runs today. You look at uh, Semyon, Nate Lowe, Adolis Garcia, guys like that. Just, it's so much fun to watch good baseball where players can hit and execute at the plate, and they play in this really cool stadium. I had some doubts about it before. I had been to the old ballpark at Arlington and really liked it. Didn't know why they changed it, but it's grown on me. It's definitely grown on me. So. Very interesting. I think the the AL West is about to be very, very interesting this year. Not to mention they have a dude named DeGrom throwing for them. Doesn't hurt. Definitely doesn't hurt. Definitely doesn't hurt. Um, Real quick, I did take a look at our uh, nightly Rays update. 20-3. and They won tonight against the Astros 8-3 at home. So, again, of course... Still have not lost at home. Something interesting, though, they did lose their home run streak. No home runs tonight. tonight. They they had 22 games with a home run straight. Every game they hit a home run. That was unheard of in baseball to start the year. And they lost it tonight. They still scored eight runs. Every team in Major League Baseball needs to have a 
a record column and then a record minus their games against the Rays column because I, I would advocate that for the Tigers because they would be eight and ten and I would feel much better about that. Same, same. We didn't think that we were absolutely running into a brick wall by starting the year against the Rays. Who knew? Who was knew? not on the docket, that's for sure. Sorry, Jeffrey Springs. Hope you feel better someday. What? If you know, if you know, you know. Isn't that his name? Jeffrey Springs? Isn't that his name? I think it's Tommy John? Yeah. Or am I yep. thinking of someone else? Yep. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. Was, you made me question. I'm like, oh, I think I got his name right. <laughs> I don't know. No, Word. you're good. Um, My team to look at, dude, cannot be ignored. Pittsburgh Pirates. Leading the NL Central. Pittsburgh Pirates. They're not going to last, dude. We're looking at a team... I, <laughs> Seven-game winning streak, plus 25 run differential. McCutcheon's back. They got Carlos Santana. I know the pitching probably isn't really there, but, you know, I think it's a fun story. I love to go to PNC when the, when, when the Pirates are good, and, and that place is just absolutely drenched in yellow, <laughs> and they're very excited for that team. I think that can be a super fun environment that hasn't been fun in the last decade good for them good for them 16 and 7 again first in the nl NL central josh what we got this week ahead for the tigers baseball well we've got this milwaukee series we've already won the first game uh we've got that i got a couple more um and then we've got to go play baltimore again I don't know how we're playing seven games against them in 10 days, but here we are. We're going to play a four-game set against them in Detroit after this Milwaukee series. Um, I'm just going to put out there, I think Baltimore would like to not show up to the ballpark on Friday when Erod is pitching because the last time he pitched against them, he all pretty much made them look silly. So just a, just a quick note on that. You mean that he's going to allow 10 earned runs and walk five people. That's what you actually mean, because that's how baseball works. Probably. Probably. We got Turnbull going tomorrow against Lauer, who is left-handed, so I will retract my statement and redact my statement from earlier. Uh, Maton will not be batting cleanup tomorrow. Maybe, maybe Wednesday when Freddie Peralta is going for the Brewers against new-look Michael Lorenzen who looked great in his last start. No. How many games after winning tonight? How many games do we win this week, Josh? I think we get one more. The whole week? Yeah, we've got... After all that? After all of us just talking about how <laughs> excited we are about this team and, and, and how 8-13 and 13 is not as bad as it looks and, and, and the offense isn't as bad as... Really? We're saying one more. Okay, I, I will say probably probably two, but I'd like to underpromise and overdeliver here. I'm, it makes me feel a lot less awful about this team when I'm very very wrong in that direction. That's fair. That's fair. We're playing the Brewers too, who, you know, before tonight were fifteen and seven. They're now fifteen and eight, and they're going toe to toe in their division. So. I would say we win 
two more games this week. However that shakes out. I also want to draw into attention my prediction from last week. <laughs> I said Torque would hit a home run. I got to keep it going. I got to keep it going. So, hmm. You know what I'm going to say? This is crazy. Are you ready for this? I am loving some of the swings Jonathan Scope's putting on the ball. I am. Dude, his approach is there. He got a base knock tonight. Pitch hit base knock, I might add. I'm not going to say it's a home run, but he gets an extra base hit. Jonathan Scope gets an extra base hit this week. Zach McIntyre is coming for his starting job, though, if he has not already taken it. Let's just be clear. Josh, what am I going to get wrong tonight? I got a little quick trivia, quick hitter for you. Uh, the Tigers lineup this year, I think we can both agree, is a pretty young lineup, wouldn't you say? I would agree with that, yes. I think the average age is like 26. Well, that, that is the question, Case. That is the, well, it's part oh, of the question. Oh, It's part oh, okay. of the question. Uh-oh. I, I see this is unplanned. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think the average age of the Tigers lineup is this year? That's part one. Okay, lineup or 40-man roster? Lineup. Or, or sorry, the 26-man roster. Hitters. Line, okay, but like the lineup changes every night. What, okay. Hitters, um, not pitchers. Anybody that's not a pitcher. That's oh, what this means. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Okay, that makes more sense. Offensive roster. Correct. Got it. I know there's a decimal point in there. Do I have to get a decimal point? Uh, this is an even number. Okay. All right. Check your sources. Um, I mean, Miggy is definitely an outlier. Scope's pretty old. Maton's obviously super young. Veerling's super young. Green's super young. I'm going to stick with my number, 26. Very close. The number is 27. Dang it. Number 27. <sighs> All time for this team. That is the 17th youngest team in, in history. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Can you guess what the youngest hitter age all time for this team is? Oh, average, I'm assuming, right? Average, yeah. <laughs> not, not, yeah. I think they had like 17-year-olds. 17th? What? What year was this? Do you know? 1954. Wow. It's almost the year my dad was born. Um, hmm. This is the youngest Tigers team, by the way, or Tigers hitters-wise, mm-hmm. since 1997. Wow. 23. 25.7 is... Yeah, I was going to say, 23 would be super young. That'd be crazy. I don't think you could have somebody older than 30 on that, in that, uh, yeah. little kind of going away. I didn't really prepare much on the, on the pitcher side. What do you think the average pitcher pitching age is for this team? Currently? Yeah. Ooh. Starters or just bullpen or? All pitchers. Or, or, sorry. All pitchers. Okay. Um, 29. Really, really close. 28.7. 
I was gonna say 28 too, but I think I got closer, right? Yeah. 28.7. I'm technically closer. I'm just you know went high. Isn't that price or right? Price is right rules though. I, I went over. I, so I, I didn't I specify, lost. so we can make yeah. up the rules as we go here on the Old English Day podcast. As they say, as they say. <laughs> Josh, where can the kids find us? We are on all of our socials at Old English D Pod at the Old English D Pod. Uh, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Instagram, trying to think here. Uh, and yeah, remember guys, just try to give us a review if you think of it. If you think of it, at least give us a rating review. If you want to leave us a message, we would appreciate it. Uh, we really enjoy doing it. We really enjoy making the videos that we've been doing. It's been super fun. Uh, it's been super interesting to learn that whole process and it kind of keeps us accountable to paying attention to the little parts of each game that I don't think we've we've noticed before. So that's that's been pretty fun. So, Amen. Well said. Josh, thanks so, so much for joining me. Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.